Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, Andrew and I sat down with Jack Stilgo to talk about autonomous vehicles. Jack is a senior lecturer in the Social Studies of Science at University College London, where he teaches minor classes of import like governing emerging technologies and responsible science and innovation. Uh, I, of course, am being facetious. Jack thinks about really big things, and we were so excited to have him with us today. Um, Jack's most recent book is called Experiment Earth, Responsible Innovation in Geoengineering. That was published in 2016. Um, This academic year, 2016-2017, he is a visiting fellow at the University of Colorado at Boulder's Center for Science and Technology Policy Research. So we hope that you enjoy this conversation that we had with Jack. He is fascinating and I hope that we can have him back in the future. Um, We had a little bit of fun and uh, uh, talked about about Teslas a lot and uh, some of the problems that uh, maybe the industry hasn't been thinking about quite so much. Um, As always, Before we get going with this episode, I will beg you to tell your friends about the Future Out Loud podcast. We would love to hear what you think. Uh, You can tweet at us at Future Out Loud or find us on Facebook. Uh, You can also subscribe to our podcast. You can do that in places like iTunes or SoundCloud or uh, Stitcher or Google Play. You can find our show notes in those places and at at our web pages at sfis.asu.edu forward slash future out loud or riskinnovation.asu.edu forward slash future out loud. As always, thank you for listening. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Heather. Hi, Jack. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay, another Brit in the room. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, am, I am distinctly outnumbered, which right. is the way that it should be, if we're being honest. Jack, you're going to tell us a story about self-driving cars. So, yeah, I, I've got extremely interested in self-driving cars. Like, like a lot of people in this sort of building, I am, my my interest is in new and emerging technologies, what they can tell us about the relationship between science, technology and society, and how we can manage them better, more responsibly. Um, and I guess like a lot of people in that in that space, self-driving cars have sort of arrived as the next, next big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like next big things. So that is a, a bandwagon that I've leapt on. And I guess my, my interest was, was struck by, I was doing a drive from California to Colorado, where mm-hmm. I'm living at the moment. And uh, I understand that in this country, driving a very, very, very long way is part and parcel of the that's, that's part of the deal. It, it is. It's, it's almost an initiation ride at some point. You Indeed. Have to do so, it. Well, particularly in this part of the country, I mean, yes. in the southwest, in you know the northeast, in Boston, people get very upset if they 
have to go 15 minutes. Right. So this is this is good to hear because, you know, in, in England, everywhere is, you know, a few hours away and that's yeah. extremely easy. But anyway, so I was driving along one of your magnificent interstates. This is I-80 in, in southern Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, in fact, there was a, a lovely advert back in the 1930s for a car called the Jordan Playboy that started with this famous line, somewhere west of Laramie. <laughs> and then used the the uh, narrative of the American West as a way to sell cars to adventurous types who were who were moving west at the time. And I was driving somewhere west of Laramie and it turns out there is nothing west of Laramie <laughs> except empty space and, and, and snow. Apologies to anybody that lives in southwest <laughs> right. Wyoming. Yes. Sorry, there's <laughs> disclaimer. Um, and I was stuck behind a a, 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 a truck on the back of which were six Tesla Model S's. Ah. Mm-hmm. And this was just after Tesla had announced that they had now started making a uh, a car that was, whose hardware was completely capable now of autonomous driving. So this mm-hmm. was just before they brought, they actually activated the autopilot. Or- yeah. No, this was this was so this was this just was after, in oh, this was oh, in November. Oh, right, I'm with you. Right. So this is the fully autonomous. And they had announced yes. The, yes. the the new announcement was that these things now the hardware is all there to right. be fully self-driving cars. Mm-hmm. What was lacking was um, public acceptability, uh, the 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 regulatory framework to allow these things to do it, and right. they still needed also some tweaks to their brain. Right. Mm-hmm. So as somebody that sort of is interested in. Know, stories like Frankenstein I thought wow this is a really interesting technological artifact it is mm-hmm. some sort of monster that needs to be taught how to be in the world but is at least as its manufacturers claim a fully capable right. self-driving car right um, and so I, I, I sort of got interested in this I um, I went down to Tesla persuaded them to let me have a test drive of oh. one of the wow one of the older uh, <laughs> older cars and because I wanted to sort of see directly what it meant to be in a car that though nobody is yet claiming officially that this is a self-driving car it is quite clear that you know the narrative of inevitability is such that these things are going to drive us around the place Mm -hmm. within you know if you believe the stories uh, a couple of years now you know I don't believe the stories because my professional obligations are to ask difficult questions Mm -hmm. about such things um, but it struck me as a, as a really interesting new development. And so that's what I'm trying to understand mm-hmm. at the moment. Right, right. So how was your experience in the of, of older actually, Model of, S? Yeah. Of, of being in it, um, it was well, initially extremely unnerving. When you get onto the highway, you switch mm-hmm. on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's extremely unnerving because mm-hmm. you, know, you are reassured by the woman from Tesla that yes, you can take your hands off the steering wheel, mm-hmm. yes, you can take your feet off the pedals, um, both of which are stupid things to do right, if, you're, right, a sensible, right, right. if mm-hmm. you're a sensible person. Um, so I was terrified, and then very, very quickly, as one does with technology, one becomes used to it. Right. And so this becomes normal, and it becomes a part of your life. Mm. And then you become terrified again that, that this has become normal. Yes. Right. And you think, well, I've suddenly become 
complacent about the fact that this car is driving me along the highway at 75 mm -hmm. miles an hour. And you're nodding. And I have no idea what it's doing, where it's getting its information from, how it's making its decisions. Yes. There's the strong sense that as with any technology that claims to be autonomous, it sort of has desires of its own. And right. you're, so you feel like you are engaged in a relationship with a new person who right. don't know what they want. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're trying mm -hmm. to work out what they want. So it's it's really unsettling. And yet the Tesla the, the Tesla employees would say afterwards, um, oh, you get used to it really quickly. We all do it on the way to work. You know, mm -hmm. we're driving our Teslas. We just switch the thing on. And, right. And yes. Right. right. But so, so even that, that idea of getting used to it um, raises some interesting questions. Because I suspect that with a technology like this, people will get used to it irrespective of whether it's um, potentially dangerous, whether it's safe, whether there are other issues around it. That normalization happens really fast, irrespective of the broader context. I, I agree with that. And I have a Tesla in my household. And so have experienced that now, I do not drive this car. I have driven it, it two blocks it on itself, one occasion. It drives you. Well, no. <laughs> it, Somebody it else drives. So far, doesn't have any scratches or dents in it. So I have not. I am not invited to drive it because I would besmirch the car, certainly. Um, but when that te uh, software update mm -hmm. first happened, yes, it was alarming. I had all of those same feels that you had. And so this is a car that that is in your household. And then it. so one of the interesting things about this technology is that the updates to the improvements to its brain happen automatically. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, hey, we got an update last night. Yeah. But what happened very quickly with the the self-driving part, so two things. One, there was the secret, I don't know if they showed you the secret like disco mode that you put it in. I have found um, out about it subsequently. Yes, which is I excellent. Don't, I don't know about this. So it's when you like, you know, click your heels three times or something like that. Um, it, uh, when it goes into self-driving mode, like sort of disco lights and some okay. fun music happens <laughs> on the dashboard which right. is is delightful um, but that but tells you something quite interesting doesn't it about the innovation is that these people are sort of playing a game yes, with you right you know exactly. it's, it's not really serious it's sort of playful mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know for people that find car safety an extremely serious concern you sort of think well I don't really I'm want to be sure. in a computer you, game you don't want right, Easter right. eggs in the system it, yes. indeed <laughs> I, you know I want right. you to take this extremely seriously right. please so then what happened was people very clearly became, as you say, very comfortable with this immediately. Mm. And pretty quickly, there was another magical overnight update. And the software now requires you to reassure the car that you are still there mm. and paying attention and in control. And if your hands aren't on the wheel for enough time, it require it really it makes then alarming non-disco noises at you to make sure that your hands are on the right, wheel. Right. And will, you know, threaten to take you out of self-driving mode and will slow your speed and things like that. And this is and the, the updates, a lot of these the most recent round of updates have come in response to a very well publicized crash that happened yes, uh, yes. earlier in the in in the summer which Again, for people like me that study science and technology, um, it isn't a morbid interest, but we get very interested in accidents because accidents are when 
the reality of technology suddenly presents itself to the world and suddenly a lot of things that had uh, gone unnoticed suddenly become extremely present right and there is that sense that what is happening with with Tesla is that they are engaged in a form of experiment Mm -hmm. in which users passengers drivers Mm -hmm. call us what you will are are participants maybe we're collaborators maybe we're we're guinea pigs but there's that sense that we are all collectively trying to work out what is going on with this technology indeed and this is um i had another experience with another tesla driver who shared that he was using the self-driving mode and was specifically not paying attention to the road and he said you know tesla's really got to work on its technology because i was in the you know hov lane and this was not in arizona and it's not anybody affiliated with either of our institutions said i was not in the hov lane and like I was trying to get some work done on my laptop and the camera didn't recognize. He said they had started to cone off the HOV lane to like zip it back. And he said, so all of a sudden I, you know, I'm trying to get my work done and I'm going 80 miles an hour and I start hearing bam, 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 bam on the front of my car. (laughs) And I, you know, it's these like big cone, those big white plastic things that they put and you know, the stupid car didn't recognize it. Of course my car gets wrecked. So I take it into Tesla and I say to them, you guys have some work to do. And they said to me, well, you know, you are supposed to be driving the car. And he said, well, you made this software so I don't have to drive the car. And you should know that people have better things to do than drive your car. And I'm thinking like, buddy, you got a lot of work to do, like in the Cerebrum area. Right, right. But but that rapid shift of expectations yes. where you think yes. it's your right not to drive the car exactly. because somebody has told you that the car can drive itself. And the manufacturers exactly right. know that that's how people are going to behave. I mean, well, to pretend that people are going to behave in another way is right. to be extremely naive about yes. how people use technology. Yes, exactly. And But I wonder if people's behavior even transcended the worst expectations mm. of what Tesla might right. have right. thought. Yeah. So it, it does raise a question which I don't have an answer to. Um, which is how much Tesla thought of the psychology of this. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe they really did think about what are what are the most crazy things people are going to do here and how do we protect against it? Or maybe they were just a, a group of software engineers who got their hands on a car and didn't think of that. So this is why I've tried to frame what my thinking around self-driving cars in terms of learning. So I, I've, I've sort of fixated on this on this word learning because for two reasons, you know. For people interested in, in, in policy making, a lot of the time we think about how institutions can get better at social learning mm-hmm. so that we can, right. know, so that when a new technology comes along, we're not just repeating the mistakes of the past, we can learn from previous examples, we can learn uh, how, to, how to deal with things such that if you take an example like aeroplanes, mm-hmm. the system can get much, much safer over right. time because it is a learning system. Right. Um, the other aspect of learning that, that that crops up clearly with self-driving cars is machine learning. Mm-hmm. That these things, yes. as I said, you know, the, the the car itself has the hardware, it's so it's claimed, right. but it just needs to learn how to yes. how to uh, how to do that. And then I think the question for for companies is, what do they want to learn about, for example, right. the mm-hmm. way that people 
actually engage with with uh, right. with technologies. And I think certainly the engineering research that has taken place around self-driving cars, a lot of it does uh, take issue with with those sorts of questions of what you know in a, right. in an older day would have been called human computer interaction. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, you can't pretend that people are as intelligent as computers or behave in the same way, right. even though computers might have certain computer-type expectations of user of user yes. behavior. Right. Right. What I see with um, the more sort of bullish uh, cultures of self-driving cars coming out of Silicon Valley is those things are downplayed a little bit, or right. those are things where. One of the, that's one of the things that we will learn about mm -hmm. as we as these right, technologies right. So are released into the world. So again, it's that, that iterative model of learning rather than actually taking a body of knowledge and say, let's just see what happens. So rather right. than saying, this is what we need to teach mm -hmm. our cars about what we already know about technology, that's seen as this is another set of things that the algorithms will learn about how yes. people yeah. behave. Right. We'll figure it out. Just like we figure it out in you know beta testing like well, so, new versions of Windows. So that's what I was going to say, and I, I should say here, I'm actually quite excited about where we're going with self-driving cars. I'm definitely not a self-driving car downer. But Have you been in the Tesla? I, well, I haven't, so maybe that would change. So you're the, you're the odd one out. I, yes. I, I'm absolutely <laughs> the odd one out. I, I've just got this intellectual idea of what I would like the world to be yes, like. Yeah. But, but one thing which has, has fascinated me for some time is um, what we're seeing, especially with Tesla, um, but also with um, companies like Google, is this sort of shifting um, from companies and people who have really developed their expertise around software, and now they're beginning to integrate it with hardware. And of course, software engineering, um, there are a different set of sort of rules and expectations mm -hmm. and, and pitfalls when it comes to, to safety. And certainly, you mentioned, you go back to the early days of software, you put out buggy software, mm -hmm. things go wrong, people give you bug reports, and you fix it. And, most cases, nobody gets killed, nobody gets harmed. Right. But that's very different if you've got a car going down the, the highway at 70 miles an hour. Exactly. Abs um, absolutely. And I, and I wonder whether there's been a, an equal transition in thinking and a mentality with how you develop these systems, mm -hmm. or whether there's still a danger that you've got a software mentality developing hardware. Well, I think, I think we should be concerned about exactly those sorts of, th I mean, you know, people who study science and technology, social scientists mm -hmm. like me, are, think that things like culture are hugely important. Right. The, the mm -hmm. cult, where a technology comes from matters. So, for example, you see this sort of clash of cultures between, to sort of caricature it, between Silicon Valley and Detroit. Right. right? Car yes. manufacturers and software manufacturers. Yes. Car manufacturers are extremely used to, for example, product liability mm -hmm. concerns. Mm -hmm. Yes. Software is undergoverned if not ungoverned yes. in terms of product liability right you know although I would say that's actually changing over the last sort of five years where as, as, as the stakes go up that's exactly yeah. it. Mm -hmm. yes. 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 yes as people realize that no software really does have material impacts in our lives yes. and this is one of those this is one of the you know, self-driving cars are one of those areas where when these things crash more and they will crash right it will have to be worked out whether it was a hardware defect, whether it right. was a software defect, mm -hmm. or more likely whether it is blamed on user error. Right. Because the tendency in technological systems is to find ways to blame it on user mm -hmm. error mm -hmm. in almost all circumstances. Mm -hmm. It turns out that, that humans are extremely easy to blame. Yes, and, and indeed they take that one step further by all of the reports from the tests. and. 
we are one of the test beds here in Phoenix. Indeed, we have a lot yeah. of self-driving vehicles, like fully autonomous vehicles mm-hmm. on the road. And the accidents and the reports of the accidents when they assign fault, more often than not, it's not only human error, but it's a human in another vehicle See, yeah, that is it. blamed, right? Which actually brings up a, another issue around transitions, which both intrigues me and, and concerns me. Mm. And that is, so you can imagine a situation like we had a year or so ago where you have no self-driving vehicles on the road so you've got humans and humans have learned by and large how to sort of navigate around each other it's still dangerous but um, we're actually incredibly good at not crashing and that always blows my mind <laughs> you've got yes. all these crazy people on the road yeah and most of them actually get from a to b without crashing yes. into yeah. somebody else yeah. i have a student driver in my house right now and <laughs> okay. yes that is it is right. astonishing to me but, that we're not and then you can imagine a future <laughs> yeah. where every car is um sort of governed by an artificial intelligence um and so now you've got a situation because every vehicle sort of understands what every other vehicle is doing you've got a reasonably safe situation that transition really worries me where you can have the best self-driving car possible on the road and then you've got an idiot human driver that does something which is mm-hmm. utterly unpredictable absolutely and i'm not quite sure how you get over that transition no and it I'd, it is the easiest thing in the world to imagine all cars being self-driving cars right and it is one yes. of the hardest things in the world to imagine how we get there Yes. yes. And yes. the the mixed system, you know, if you're an engineer, you long for the closed controlled system where all of your technologies are just interacting with one another. I mean, we have it in London, we have a a light railway system that was built in the 1980s which doesn't have any drivers. Right. And it works because no it's other constrained. people are allowed into that system. Right. Yes. Um as soon as people are, then it's obviously their fault and they're standing on the tracks and if they die then, you know, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's their own lookout. Yeah. Um yeah, how you deal with the the mixed system becomes not just the governance challenge, but also this is the fascinating problem if you're an AI researcher, right. if you're interested in machine learning. It's how do I uh, deal with driving like a human in a mostly human environment? That's and right. so mm-hmm. a lot of these researchers talk about driving as a, in quotes, solvable problem mm-hmm. that we can relatively, just as we taught uh, machine learning how to play uh, chess and right. then go and mm-hmm. all these other things that were seen as too hard driving uh, is just another one of them and then once you learn that obviously your right. aim is not to mimic a human driver because that because humans are stupid <laughs> yes. your aim is to surpass them Transcend, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that the real world is seen as a set of engineering constraints right mm-hmm. on that on that innovation um, Whereas, you know, in older visions of automated driving, it was very much how do we create a control system in which, you know, we, for example, cordon off these vehicles that, and have them right. in their yes. own segregated so, so lane. That transition. Yes. Um, and so dealing with that transition. But now the way that it's playing out at the moment seems more interesting than that, which is, no, we're going to release them into the wild yes. and see how they get on. Right. And ask these technologies to learn. And, and it may be that we're reasonably close to intuitive AI systems that can begin to predict odd behavior. Um, and it may be that sort of this, this dynamic actually leads to the rapid increase of those systems. But you've, you've still got this problem that you've got to have that intuition. 
because you take a human driver mm -hmm. and they can do things for the most bizarre reason. They may change lanes, change speed, whatever, just because they're bored. They mm -hmm. may have dropped their sandwich in the foot well and yeah. they sort of yeah. swerve yeah. across yeah. the road. It's very, very hard to predict. And as humans, the way we get around this is by being intuitive drivers where we're not quite sure why we make the decisions we do, but we can read um, in a very sophisticated level the human behavior around us and respond to it subconsciously very, mm -hmm. very fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that transcends this idea of a set of rules that you follow with driving. There's yeah. got to be some level of artificial intuition there. So if you're a machine learning researcher, you would say, absolutely, right. we don't know what why we do what we do mm -hmm. and therefore the attempt to teach an algorithm how to drive will always be limited so what we do is we let the car learn for itself right, right. just through experience yes. or you know and the collection of vast quantities of data in the, which to in me part of me that that's really exciting because that's pushing the boundaries of what we can do with artificial systems but right. as you said earlier we're then all part of this grand experiment yeah yeah and it it becomes particularly challenging if, for example, well, when there are crashes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you need to work out what went on, mm -hmm. one yes. of the mm -hmm. things you want to do is find out why a machine made particular decisions. Right. right. And many of these machine learning systems will be utterly opaque in that mm -hmm. regard, that right. you can't yes. find out why a why, thing yes. decided what it and, and that raises for me a question related to what I see as the fundamental underpinning of why driving works, why cars work, mm -hmm. is that we trust that everybody is going to follow the same rules in the same way. Right? right? Um and again as the parent of a student driver I think about this a lot <laughs> every morning on the way to school. Um but when we're faced with uh algorithms that are for proprietary reasons opaque I don't intrinsically trust that. Right. Right. Yeah. Should we trust that? And I, and I think it's not only for proprietary reasons, it's the case that we're developing complex decision-making algorithms mm -hmm. where, because we're training them, we simply don't know what the, the thought, pro, inverted commas, thought process is here, mm -hmm. just like with humans. And I would say this is something that is actually sort of taxing the AI community mm. because they recognize the problems with opacity and they recognize the need to be able to sort of backtrack and work out how and why an agent did make the decision it made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because without that, it's very hard to have that integrated system with humans, especially when it comes to liability. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing is some of the car manufacturers, so the, the, the Detroit end of our, of mm -hmm. our relationship, um, some of the car manufacturers are saying, we are going to downplay the role of uh, autonomous machine learning mm -hmm. and, and art. Right the role of taught formal logic in these in okay, these algorithms right. in order to make them more accountable, in order to make it and, more possible to and, work out what's going on. And there's the dilemma. Um, at, at the moment, and just with that statement, you have the, the trade-offs of do you have less safety and more accountability, or potentially more safety and less accountability? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you would decrease the efficiency of the of the, of the system, right. maybe you would decrease the speed of learning, mm -hmm. yes. I mean maybe mm -hmm. you would get to just as safe a situation, but right, you may not right. get there as quickly, yes. because yes. you will need to laboriously train these things mm -hmm. rather than, as Tesla claim, release your cars yes. onto the streets yes. with sufficient quantity, you would generate enough data in a couple of years right. in order to you know, create 
mm-hmm. maybe what the, what the machine learning community would call mastery, right? yes. where you yes. can yes. mimic and then improve upon human uh, mm-hmm. uh, aptitude. Yes, yes. So in all of this, a really important question is who decides what's okay and what's not? So already, mm-hmm. plenty of people are killed on the road. I think at the moment in the States, it's 30 plus thousand people a year mm-hmm. killed in road crashes. I just learned in when I was in Israel last week, more traffic fatalities than violence, human violence fatalities right, in Israel. Right, right. Yeah. So, so then we're already living in a society where people die on the roads. Um, and it's put, a public health disaster. It, I mean, that yes, is a complete yes. disaster. It, it absolutely yeah. is, yes. So we're putting new technologies out there, um, cars that can make decisions themselves and drive themselves, and there are very clear challenges and issues. At some point, people are going to be killed by mm-hmm. these. How as a society do we decide what is appropriate, what isn't, what is acceptable, mm-hmm. and, and where the trade-offs are in terms of moving towards a future which may well be better? Yes, um, in terms of, the, the, the figures are so stark with, uh, with, with road deaths. There was a, you know, J.G. Ballard, the author, wrote his novel Crash, and in the, at, at the start of that he described it in a, using this lovely term, he called it a pandemic cataclysm. Hmm. Of uh, of road death, right? It's more than a million people around the world. Mm-hmm. So right, um, and coming from Northern Europe, we look mm-hmm. at the US and we and the statistics are disastrous in yes. the US, right? right? The US is far less safe for driving than than uh, countries in Northern Europe. So my first response is is if road safety is really your concern, why do we think that self driving cars are the answer? Given that mm-hmm. it would appear that there's been American culture, American politics is extraordinarily relaxed about the number of people dying Mm -hmm. on its roads every year. Turns out that we just don't really care. Or or, or sort of, as a society, we think that the benefits of being able to drive yourself around in um, in a libertarian way, it, yeah. it's it is worth right, the, the, absolutely. the price. Yeah. And in the you know the the the, the right to bear cars is inalienable. Right, right. It's there in the constitution. You yeah. that, that yeah. line, yeah. the right to bear cars. Right to bear cars. Yeah. Um, but there was it was quite interesting that so I mentioned the the the, the crash that the Tesla Model S was in, involved in 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 May. Um, Elon Musk, the chief executive of Tesla, had a very interesting response. M- many very interesting responses to this crash. You know, much digital ink has been spilt on this mm-hmm. on this thing. Um, but one of them was look at the statistics. Right, mm-hmm. this is this yeah. is one crash, one yes. death. Um, people die all the time. And his phrase was, "Do the math." Yeah. Yes. Right. I would say as a Brit, obviously, do the maths. maths. But yes. Um, but do the math, and so you do the risk equation, and self-driving cars look unarguable if they even reduce the number of deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a social scientist would say it isn't just about the quantity of the risk, mm-hmm. but one reason why these things attract attention is that maybe we should be concerned about the quality of the risk. Right. And as you mentioned, so you know the trust that we place in this system is is hugely important. Yes, it's why. We do worry more about aeroplane deaths than about car deaths Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we are placing our trust in a system that we do not control. Right. Right. Now, admittedly, we don't really control our cars. We pretend that we are Mm -hmm. in control and yet we are. But it gets back to the the psychology of it. It's it's how we feel about risks. Um, And there's Mm -hmm. quite a lot of research here in terms of 
how people actually sort of evaluate and uh, mm. sort of viscerally feel about risks, mm -hmm. and it's very different. And the endpoint death may be the same in a lot of cases, but our response to different types of, of death in different situations right. are diametrically opposite sometimes. Yeah, and when we have a new technology that purports to reduce uh, deaths, but that new technology is implicated in the killing of somebody, it right. isn't mm -hmm. sufficient just to say oh, well, probably more people would have died had that technology not been introduced. That's right. You right. can do the math, but you need a more sophisticated math and probably a little <laughs> bit of social science around yeah. it as well. Do something else as well, <laughs> right. I think, yes. is, the, yes. is, is the point. Yes, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I'm interested to see, again, living in Phoenix, where we just had our you know, car carrier brought in the Uber Volvos and I saw one of them on the uh -huh. street yesterday. Oh, and I was very excited. Right. And I'm really interested so to I, see can I can I just say yes. I love the fact that they went for Volvos. The the car that is purported to be the safest, most boring car around. Yeah. Exactly. It's exactly. There's a there's a big reputational risk for Volvo. Uh, there, there is actually yes. there is yes. not for yes. Tesla. Which exactly, is. which was so interesting. Yeah. Um I can't wait to see what the uptake is of right. that service among the public. One of the things that goes along with Uber anyway is not only are you putting yourself into a death machine, but into a death machine with a person that you've never met before, <laughs> yeah. right? And a business um, model that you may despise. That's the right, <laughs> right, right, that you may or may not despise. And it somehow feels different than hailing a cab in Manhattan. Um, where, can, can I just say, yeah. for full disclosure, I actually use Uber and I, despite all the <laughs> oh, all, all, all of the moral too. questions around it, I actually find it quite useful. I use Uber as well. <laughs> I think we, we shouldn't deny that it's extremely convenient. <laughs> right. It's extremely convenient. But the notion of getting into a, a dangerous situation right. with, where you have no control mm. and putting your trust a into trust a person, yes. right? Yes. So I'm interested to see how you know, already the Uber model invites this, you know, giving over of your safety to some mm -hmm. other entity. And and will people take up, you know, the the Uber Volvo? Right. Right. Again, another interesting social experiment. Yeah. Um, but then it, it raises the question, to what degree should we just be allowing companies to experiment? And how much, not necessarily oversight, but at least social dialogue around that should there be? And the, the reason we shouldn't forget why these Volvos have arrived in Phoenix is because... They got kicked out. They got kicked out of San Francisco right. because San Francisco decided that actually playing games, doing experiments with their transport infrastructure and in one case that got a lot of attention running a red light mm -hmm. um, was not adequate. Right. Right. At which point the governor of Arizona was it said, yep, come to us. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> right. Bring it on. Um, which is a, you know, which which suggests that there are always people willing to engage in, in experiments. Mm -hmm. and, you know, people interested in the governance of science and technology have always said there is a danger of a race to the bottom where people will always say, well, you know, if you can't do a well-governed, thoughtful experiment here, we'll just go, we'll just go somewhere else. Right. That's right. Um, so there's something to be to be said for that. Yeah. But you know, these these Uber drivers are all also engaged in a social experiment. The That's end right. point of which is putting them out of work. Yep. That's right. Which seems extremely odd. It's if you are the if you're the Uber driver, you know, you are. Yes, you are trying to make a living, but also you are a guinea pig where if the experiment succeeds, you mm -hmm. no longer have a job. That's right. 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 That's right. right. Big questions. Yes. Yeah. 
and 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 near-term answers not solutions but near-term responses to or or uh, i should say an influx of uh data right 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 but so i would also ask you jack so you're sort of watching this happening you're you're studying it you're trying to make sense of it Mm. so as a social scientist um if you, for instance, could talk to the governor of Arizona, WC, what would you recommend in terms of a, a more responsible, more measured way forward in terms of thinking about autonomous vehicles on the road? Um, Not to put you on the spot or anything. No, no put like me that. on the spot. You know, if I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say anything uh, sensible, then, then I should be put on the spot. Um, at the moment, so the, what I'm going to say next is heretical. Excellent. Which is slow down. Um, there is, you know, one of the things that 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 uh, scientists and engineers often accuse people like me of is that actually what we're just interested in is, is, is slowing down innovation, and we're luddites, etc., etc., oh, sure. etc. But I would say, I mean, not just slow down for the for the sake of it, but resist the what might be called the tyranny of urgency, mm-hmm. which is that in mm-hmm. all of these debates there is always a we must do it quickly, we must. Uh, overlook the, the sorts of concerns that we've been airing around this table because maybe the benefits are so large, right? right. Lives are going to be saved. Yeah. Um, or because other people are doing it. Well, yes. Right? If mean, we don't do it here, then somebody else will. Let's be honest. I don't think any um, shareholder's motivation is the immediate good to society. I think it's being first to market and capturing I, that. Yeah. I, I, I probably wouldn't be quite so cynical, maybe with the shareholders, but I think a lot of the minds behind this, they, they do have um, sort of a broader sort of social good there. But of course, they've got to make money and they've got to make a lot and of I think yeah. we, fiduciary responsibility. We, we can actually say, yeah, even if you are well-meaning, you mm-hmm. know, even if you are a charity developing, mm-hmm. developing uh uh, self-driving cars with a pure public health mission, we still have reason to be concerned right. about the, the the tyranny of urgency. Right. Because in our urgency, we overlook all sorts of uh, concerns. And, that and I think that's it. So I, you can actually frame this in terms of totally altruistic motives. Mm-hmm. Uh, say, for instance, one of your aims is cutting road deaths in the, the mm-hmm. States by 90, 99%. Sure. Laudable um, goal, but as you said, Jack, if you go too fast, you miss things and you raise increasingly the risk of making missteps, which will lead to bigger problems. Mm-hmm. In the future, and do you, you know, these things have opportunity costs, right? Yes, so yes. town planners are already trying to deal with and accommodate a future in which cars are autonomous, mm-hmm. and in doing so, they are downplaying investments in, for example, public transport, right. which is a pretty important democratic choice that at the moment is not being well informed. Right, right. Um, I mean, I would say also that a lot of the debate about self-driving cars has been framed so much in terms of risk, Mm -hmm. you know, the lives that these things save or the lives that these things take. Yes. Right, a classic framing for, for technology that we overlook things that I think are going to be far more important and far more worrying to do with the political economy of this technology. Right. So the question of, for example, who controls and who has access to the vast amounts of data that these things generate, right. I think is going to be a far more important concern than uh, than whether or not they get implicated in, in more crashes in, right. the, in right. the near term. Right. And, and that brings us back to the, the need for some sort of 
public discourse or engagement or getting people actually involved in the process of thinking through um, what is right, what is appropriate, how fast or how slow things should go. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just ultimately down to the tech companies, it's actually a, a social challenge and a set of social opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I quite agree. And I think the, the range of public questions here are absolutely vast. And right. we shouldn't allow that discussion to be narrowed to just a question of, uh, of risk. Mm. Right. And I think if you talk to people outside the direct uh, uh, innovators of this of this technology, they will come to that quite quickly. I mean, right. We we did some work with the British Department for Transport, where we brought together some stakeholders, some transport planners, uh, uh, civil servants, and, and and various others. And the range of concerns that people introduce quite quickly is is enormous. You mm -hmm. know, and it's mm -hmm. to do with, um, say, uh, what will this do to car usage? What will it do to models of car ownership? Mm -hmm. Some yes. some self-driving car trajectories appear to point towards buying increasingly exciting uh, Tesla Model S type cars, mm -hmm. which are, um, you know, they're. The idea there is that you you own your car and enjoy right. it yourself, mm -hmm. but others are the the Uber model, right? Sure, the, the circular model. economy shared model. Right, yeah. this yeah. is yeah. where where people say, well, in inevitably, once all cars are autonomous, nobody will own a car. Why would they? Right, right. These things will just circulate around a city, and you will just click your fingers, and one right. will come to you, and then you'll get out of it. And these things need never park, and therefore we will have fewer cars on the road, mm -hmm. right, right, etc., etc., etc. But you know those trajectories are wildly divergent right yes and we have no so the other recommendation I guess that comes from that is anybody that says that self-driving cars are inevitable is obscuring a massive debate about well, what sorts of right what sorts of self-driving technology do we think are inevitable right right in what sorts of worlds exactly where where is this going and how can we actually sort of move it in a direction that as a society we would like to see it go yeah. yes yes so I think that that's our responsibility is figuring out how to move it in I'm not just asking figuring out what the direction is right, right and then how yeah. to move it there yeah. and yes. we writ large I mean I'm I don't want to suggest that the three of us are not well positioned <laughs> to do this on our own right you mean but we're going to be magnanimous and let a few other people be part of the a conversation few, I think maybe. we should right, right. <laughs> alright well thank you Jack so much thank you so for much thanks. coming in and let's uh, let's do this again yep alright thanks bye for more where that came from including our undergraduate and graduate programs check out the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at sfis.asu.edu Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at Arizona State University. Mark Van Hare created our music. Ana Lopez is our production assistant. Please subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell your friends and let us know what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Future.